Well, we're continuing in this series. We're just calling hope because you need hope to live. And so we've been in First Peter. We're, we're almost halfway through the book. Uh, we're in First Peter, at least halfway through the series. We're in First Peter. We're going to be in chapter two today. If you if you want to use one of those red Bibles, you're going to be on page. I think it's ten twenty four. But I want to start by asking you a question. What would you say? You know, this is we're still in July, so it's still kind of our patriotic month here in the U.S. What would you say is is really the best thing about living in the United States compared to many or perhaps most other countries of the world? Freedom. I would agree. I would agree. If um, you know, I was I was I had to go to the Social Security office on Friday because I lost my Social Security card about ten years ago, and I've been putting off getting a new one. So, apparently it's important. So I went, I went two hours before the place opened. I was the fifth person in line. And I waited and that line started piling about a hundred people before the place even opened. And, uh, that's, that's, and we won't say any more about that. And, uh, it started to heat up, you know, it's a little warm and people are starting to get a little restless. And there was this guy in a, in a wheelchair in front of me. And he struck up a conversation with me because he saw I was reading a book and he wanted to ask about the book I was reading and we got talking and and I said, oh, it would be nice if they would open a couple more offices in Fresno. And he said, it is a privilege to wait in this line. He said, people around the world would do anything to be able to stand in this line, to be in this line. Now, he won't say be in this line. And I said, you know what? I am glad you said that. I needed to hear that this morning. That was really encouraging. And it was, yeah, another, another guy started preaching. He gave a good message in the line. And someone else telling me these terrible stories, um, asking for some pastoral advice. Well, it was really a good morning. Listen, we have these freedoms in, in this country, freedom of religious belief, right? Freedom of speech, of the press, freedom to assemble peacefully. We don't have to be in fear as we gather in this building. You know, the Declaration of Independence, as you know, says that we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, or in, intent as all people, are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, right? Among these are life, liberty, say it with me, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. Well, if those are the freedoms afforded every U.S. citizen, and I'm, I'm on my way, I've got the paperwork filled out, I'm, I'm getting there, right? How much greater are the freedoms of every believer in Jesus? I mean, we are set free from sin and from death and from the devil's power over lives. We've been singing a bunch of songs about that this morning. We are a people free in the very deepest and truest sense of the word freedom. But did you know that our freedom as believers is governed by something even greater over that? And that is that our submission to Christ actually means we yield or we give up some of our freedom. We yield our liberties, our rights, our privileges, our preferences, so that for the purpose of the good news of God's salvation to be made known to those apart from God. Pastor Stephen reminded us last week, that, that we live life with a purpose, right? Which is that we are God's chosen people, His holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, that we may declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His glorious light. We are God's people so that we will show the goodness of God to others. 
It's a purpose. Now, question. Are you really truly free if you surrender or yield your freedoms for the eternal benefit of others? Well, I need a volunteer to help me with this one. There's no cash involved this time, but I need a volunteer. Patty. Okay, so Patty, it's a, it's a hot day as it's been in summer, and I, I won a coupon. And somehow I came, got a hold of a coupon for a free large Jamba Juice. I love Jamba Juice. So, but here's the problem. Walk with me down this, down here. So I go to the Jamba Juice, right? And what do I see sitting on the sidewalk, hot and thirsty, but my friend Patty? There you are. Now, I don't have any, any money on me, but I have a coupon. So I gotta say, will you wait here for a second? Okay, you wait right there. I'll be back. Just wait. I'm coming back. Hold on. That's the sound of the fridge. Oh, oh, look what we have here. Thank you, person at Jamba Juice. Look at that. So I just cashed in my coupon for a free large Jamba Juice. And uh, in my freedom, I see someone with a need. And I'm going to give it to Patty. And all I'm going to get is a little cup of water because I don't have any money. Oh, I get a hug. You know I love Jamba I told you, there's no cash involved. You, you people really need to start volunteering for my illustrations. Okay, so that really isn't fair, is it? That Patty gets my Jama juice. It's not fair. But it's the right thing to do, isn't it? There's something that feels right about that, giving up my freedom for the benefit of someone else. If you've got your Bible open to 1 Peter chapter 2, I want you to find chapter 2, verse 13 with me, and we're going to stand together out of respect for God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 13. Peter is writing this. Remember, he's talked about who we are, the kind of people we are, our identity in Christ. And he says this, verse 13, For the Lord's sake... Respect all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone. Love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God. Respect the king. Verse 18. You who are slaves must accept the authority of your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you. Not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they're cruel. For God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Verse 21, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. Verse 22, he never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when insulted nor threaten when he suffered. And never threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. 
He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By His wounds you are healed. And once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to the shepherd, the guardian of your souls. We thank the Lord for His Word. Let's be seated together. You want to remember that Peter was writing to a people living under a pagan government who faced genuine, intense, unjustified persecution. Their emperors were immoral and violent and corrupt and abusive. There was no constitution, no bill of rights, no declaration of independence. But as we've already established here in the last weeks, they, these are people who understood their real, their true citizenship is in the kingdom of God. They're citizens of heaven, not primarily, first and foremost, citizens of the Roman Empire. These were free people. Free. Why? Because Jesus made them free. As he says, you've turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Now, if I'm free, I can do as I please. Right? I can do what I want. But Christian freedom is paired with Christian maturity. And Christian maturity does not simply say, well, I'm free to do what I want. I'm free to say what I want. I'm free to believe what I want. I'm free to buy what I want. Right? But Christian maturity paired with Christian freedom says, I'm free for a purpose. I'm I'm free to make Christ known. I'm free to serve God as Peter says, slaves of God. I'm free to live for the Lord. That's freedom. It's, it's freedom to choose whom I will serve rather than a slave to sin. I'm a slave to the Lord. You might think about it this way. Imagine that you're a, that you're a head of cattle. You're a cow. Your freedom is to choose which pasture you're going to be in, which fenced pasture you will be in. That's the freedom you have. There's still boundaries and protections over, over you. Which, which pastor will you choose? And in this context of freedom, Peter reminded his readers how to use their freedom to honor God even when life was unfair. If you're following in your notes this morning, in your, in your, in your program, there should be an insert in there that has some notes on it. You can, you can take some notes and follow along under the heading of how to use your freedom to honor God when life's not fair. How do you use your freedom to honor God when life's not fair or not just or in turmoil or chaos? See, if we're God's people and we really don't answer to anyone but God, why should we have to submit to others, especially to unrighteous, unjust, corrupt, immoral, you know, outrageous, dysfunctional, Governments, bosses, or other leaders. Why should we have to submit to these sometimes terrible people? Well, Peter said it right up there in verses 13 and 14. For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he's appointed, for the king has sent them to punish, to do what is wrong, to honor those who do what is right. If you're taking notes, you can fill this one in. Honor God by supporting your leaders. 
honor God by supporting your leaders, even when you disagree. Even when you disagree. Now, I know I am definitely going to step on toes this morning. I get it. I'm just telling you what's in here. Don't shoot the messenger, as we like to say. All right? Now, one of the greatest liberties of being in this country is that we can criticize people in power. You're allowed to do that. You just try that under a fascist or socialist or communist or some kind of totalitarian regime. You will not get very far. But here, you can do that. But should you? Is it advisable? Is it wise? Is it godly to do that? Well, Peter says here, we're to submit to governing authorities, even the ones in the wrong. Now, this would extend by principle to the authorities in other places, in your city, in your workplace, in your school, even in your church. Right? Why? Why would Peter teach us that the right thing is to submit to those in authority? Well, there's at least three reasons uh, in this passage here. Right? One is that, that, that authorities are placed there by God. It, it's, we're told here that, that um, it is, you know, they were, uh, the, the officials, verse 14, the officials he has uh, appointed, that's the king, we, we see later that they are there by God. You can read that in Daniel chapter um, Daniel chapter two talks about this that that all authorities are placed in power and removed from power by God. That's a little hard for us to to get our head around when we have elections and we have you know family dynasties and we have military coups and God is the one who causes leaders to rise and to fall. And so. That's one of the reasons why we submit to authority, because God placed them there. The second reason we submit to authority is because we want to get out of the way of God's justice. Right? We want to get out of the way of, of what God's wanting to do. There's a, there's a long arc of God's justice. And, and when you submit to authority, you're saying, God, I, I may not like how things are, but I trust you. To work things out over the long haul. Even if I'm not pleased with how it is now. See, if you, if you feel like it's up to you to exact some kind of justice, you effectively limit, it's a kind of a hard concept to, to accept, but you kind of effectively limit some of what God wants to do because you can't have, you can't have a double jeopardy. You can't be, you know, judged twice for the same Thing. And I would rather step aside and God, rather than my idea of justice, I'd rather step back and let you accomplish your justice. It's going to take longer sometimes. There's this kind of this long range viewpoint. But I want to get out of the way and let God do his thing. And the third reason that Peter says we should uh, submit to those in authority is that he says your honorable life of respecting Authority silences those silences those who love foolish talk and accusations. In verse fifteen, uh, you know, last fall as we were heading into that election, I, I confess I found myself getting suckered into some of those political Facebook posts, and um, you know that is that is a great example of foolish talk. It doesn't generally produce anything productive constructive, 
helpful. It's foolish talk. And our goal ought to be leading people to Jesus. Not leading people to our favorite political party. We're not there to bash our opponents. We're not there to win arguments. We're there to lead people to Jesus. And if you feel like, yeah, but... No, listen... Your opponent won't even be able to argue with you if you just don't take the bait. Just don't take the bait. Just love instead. So, whether or not I like who is in charge, be it in the White House or at work or school, even here at church, right? I choose to say, Lord, I'm going to submit and I'm going to be supportive and let you, God, work out the details. I wonder if you can do that. Can you... Honor God by supporting your leaders, even if, even if they don't do things the way you would. I mean, do you really benefit from pushing back against those in charge? Now, obviously, we don't support evil. We don't obey people ahead of obeying God. But as, as Christians, we honor God when we limit our own freedom and instead support and pray for those whom God has placed over us. Now, what if we had a president or a boss or a school principal, someone like that, who is ungodly and unrighteous and unjust and, and corrupt? Would we not, as believers, have an obligation, a responsibility to protest and even rebel? How far should we go? Some of you know the story of, of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's a, a prominent uh, evangelical pastor in Germany during the Second World War. He he, uh, he led kind of a, a resistance. First, he, he developed what they called the Believing Confessing Church, those who refused to kind of sign on with what Hitler was doing, but they stood for the gospel instead, which was, I really believe, the right thing they said at that. They reached a point where they said, we can't obey authorities over obeying God. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer actually got to the point where he was part of assassination attempts uh, against Hitler, and that continues to be very controversial. Was that the right thing to do? Or not. Didn't work. So. Right. How far should we go in resisting evil? Because I admit there's a certain appeal to being a rebel. Right. A certain appeal to being a rebel. I mean, it feels kind of powerful to disobey, to, you know, do things, contradict those in authority, uh, do it our own way. Even if it's just, might even just not even be physically, but just our sarcasm or our gossip. It's kind of a dopamine rush when we do that. Uh, it can be, become addictive for, for some. Started when we were kids, right? How old were you? One of the first words you learned was, no! And one of the very first words you learned. And it's kind of exciting and feels powerful until you get a little swat on the backside, right? But then we turned, we took it to school and, and we made fun of our teachers behind their back and, and said silly things and, oh, it's like, it's like a, it's a rush to be able to do that. But it's not honoring to God. Maybe you think, well, I don't have to listen to my boss or other, you know, people in my life because, you know, I've been here longer than my boss has been here. I'm more qualified than he or she is. I'll be here when they're gone. So, I don't really have to listen to them because, you know, no one even asked me for my input before making all these changes. So I'm just going to just ignore them. Look, rebellion against authority is a serious offense to God. 
And a rebel, here's the worst of it, a rebel rarely has the credibility to share the good news of the gospel in an authentic, life-giving way. The gospel of reconciliation, the message that Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, right, creator of all things, humbled himself to be mistreated and rejected and crucified, who submitted to authorities. He did that so that we could be forgiven of our sin and our rebellion against God. If you're taking notes, you can write this. Rebellion is not cool. Rebellion is not cool. You might think it's cool. You know, James Dean, cool. Rebel without a cause, cool. No. Rebellion is not cool, even, according to this, even when it's justified. Right? If you've been tracking with us in the R&R journal on the through the year in a Bible, through the Bible in a year plan, uh, you'll know that we not too long ago read through the, the life of King Saul. Saul was Israel's first king. He was a competent military man, but he was not godly and he was not obedient to God's commands. He majorly blew it and the prophet Samuel had to call him out on it. Um, and it goes like this. You can read this in 1 Samuel 15. We've got this on the screen. Samuel replied, what's more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. It's a dark turning point for King Saul. I wonder if you've ever known someone who kind of boasts about their stubbornness. Sometimes I'll see it in, you know, in marriages that if I'm trying to help, help a couple work through some things and one or both parties might say, well, I'm just a naturally stubborn person. Um, you know, as though the rest of us should just jump up and put up with that and, oh, good for you. No, stubbornness is not something to brag about. Stubbornness is not, is not honoring to the Lord. It's not healthy. Stubbornness is something to, to, to repent of and to, to humble yourself instead. And no doubt, at this moment, you might be asking, well, Brian, what about when a leader really is actually in the wrong or even evil? What do we do about that? Don't we have an obligation or responsibility to stop them? I don't want to get into kind of war and, and international conflict. That's kind of not really what we're dealing with here. That's a, that's a bigger subject. We do have an obligation to resist evil in all its forms. As Anabaptist, Bethany Church is, is part of a larger global movement called the Anabaptist Movement. As Anabaptists, we believe that the teaching of Jesus means we commit to do so, to resist evil in all its forms, non-violently and in the way of love. You can respect, you can honor, you can obey your leaders and yet resist evil without being a rebel. It's as Peter puts it there in verse 15. It's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Now, it's not going to be easy and may even cost your life. But the goal is to glorify God, not to preserve ourselves. The goal is to glorify God, not to preserve my own life. Now, there are times to move on, to, to remove yourself from a situation. If you have a, have a boss who is who is you know, doing illegal things, who's corrupt, 
it may be the best thing for you to find a new employer. Those kinds of, of, of changes for the sake of your own health. Don't be afraid to move on, but you do so even then in as honoring a way as possible. But most of the times that we're stubborn or rebellious, it's just because we've been inconvenienced or we don't want to change uh, what we've always done. We, we just don't like how it is. Um, it just seems like a dumb rule to us, uh, whatever that is. And that kind of resistance is just not helpful to anyone and it's really harmful to the gospel of peace. Because again, you cannot be authentically proclaim the gospel if you're living in that rebellious attitude. Peter then takes this into the Roman household as well as he moves on to verse 18 and following. Uh, he addresses slaves. And, and to make this current, you could apply this to the workplace situation. And keep in mind that the Bible does not condone slavery. Some of those of you are wondering, like, why is slaves in here? It's not condoning slavery. Slavery at that time was very different than our own dark history of slavery in the United States of America. Generally, um, uh, it was not uncommon even for people to willingly put themselves into slavery to kind of pay debts down, that, that sort of thing. Um, and they, these were household workers, but it wasn't a great life, let's be honest. Uh, and some of these slaves are becoming Christians, and even some of their employers are be, or their, their owners are becoming Christians. And now how do, the, how do you live? I'm a free person, but I'm a slave, and, and my master is my brother in Christ, and how do I work this out? And Peter's just saying, you submit. You, you stay with the plan. That's how you do it. Even if they're cruel, even if they're unfair, you submit and you live your life in a way that honors God. So Peter, as he talks about this, he covers the public sphere, right? He covers the home, covers the workplace. We endure unfair treatment for the cause of Christ. Verse 17 is a great summary of it all where he says, Respect everyone, love your Christian brothers and sisters, fear God, respect the King. Respect, love, fear, respect. Or another word for that respect is honor. Easily trans- translated the same way. Honor, love, fear, and honor. And as Christians, we relinquish, we release, we let go of our rights, our privileges, our preferences for the sake of benefiting others and leading people to Christ. And that's hard. That's hard for us. I know it. You know, even here at church, you know, we've, we've been talking about the kinds of things that are, that are challenging us to, to welcome some changes. And, and, and we want to help you grow as a, as a believer in Christ. We want to help us make room for others in our, in our church family. Maybe you just don't like it. I get that. Change is easy when it's your idea. When it's someone else's idea, it's really hard. I get that. I understand. I, um, I may have shared this story with you before of a, uh, of a church in, in Lemoore that, that just has experienced great, just wonderful growth through lots of new believers. And, you know, they had a situation where the pastor came in and they had a nursery with no, no babies in the nursery. It was this tiny little, very unattractive nursery. And that pastor went to the, the largest and most successful Sunday school class and said, we need your class for a nursery. And they said, no way, this is our class. We've always had this class. This is how we've always done it. He said, yeah, but we need it for a nursery. But there's no babies in our church. Yeah, well, there never will be if we don't prepare for them. And, and they willingly said, okay, if that's going to take to reach our community, fine. They gave up their Sunday school class. They created a nursery. That, that church has grown from 18 years ago, 100 people to about 1,800 people. I mean, it's saying, okay, I don't like it, but... I want to do what's best for the gospel. 
And it's, as Peter would say to these slaves, even the ones being treated badly or unfairly or cruelly, look, it's okay to not get your way even when you've earned it. It's okay to not get your own way even when you've earned it. Why? Because we follow the example of Christ. God is pleased, says Peter, when we endure it for the sake of glorifying Him. When everything is smooth and easy, your character is not tested. And it's not strengthened. You know, as they say, a diamond without pressure is just a lump of coal. Right? When you get put under pressure, your character is revealed. What's We see what gets squeezed out when you're under pressure. I wonder if it's going to be the fruit of the Spirit or something else. Remember that your purpose in life is to make Christ Jesus known, to cause others to desire Him. And opportunities to grow and to share Christ almost always require some kind of hardship or crisis or at least some discomfort to develop those opportunities to share. The early church spread rapidly. You know that. But do you know why? It started with persecution. The believers in Jerusalem were under pressure. And what did they do? They scattered to save their lives. But everywhere they scattered, what did they do? They told people about Jesus. They shared the gospel. And then they got persecuted there. And they would scatter again. And that's how the gospel spread. And the church grew throughout the known world. That's still happening today. I don't know if you know this, but there are many reports of Muslims including even violent Muslims, ISIS fighters, who are coming to faith in Christ because as they spill the blood of Christians, the testimony of those believers is convincing them that this is the real deal. It's astounding what's happening. So the, the bottom line of all this is that, that one of the things that makes a Christian different from those who are not is that we refuse to live rebelliously or obstinately or stubbornly. We refuse to join in with the nonsense on Facebook and other places. We, we leave the justice business to God. And yes, we speak up against evil. We, we speak out against things like the destruction of life, whether born or unborn. We speak out against the destruction of marriage and family. We speak out against the constant oppression of the poor through financial control and manipulation. There's just incredible things that, that we can stand up and say, this is wrong. But we do it in a way that we're honoring and respectful and obedient. And it's not an excuse to call our presidents and governors and other leaders, to call them names, to protest against them as people, to wish harm or hate, say hateful things against their family members. Look, if you take the time to read through the Old Testament uh, history, you'll see that the greatest prophets served under the worst kings. They're terrible kings. And yet some of the best ministry is happening in those times. Sometimes things have to be really dark for the light to shine really bright. And if I spend my life protecting my rights and my comforts and my preferences and my freedoms and so on... I'm going to miss the purpose of my life, which is not about me, but it's about others. It's about making Christ known to the lost. Or as Peter put it a few verses earlier in chapter 2, to declare God's praises and live in such a way that others will see that as well and do so as well. Well, what about us? What about you and me? This is a challenging passage for me. I, I, I told you, 
there's a little bit of a rush from resisting authority, from being a rebel, from doing things my own way. This kind of feels powerful. But are we willing, am I willing, and are you willing to submit our freedoms to the governance and the cause of Christ? Have you been rebelling against authority because it's fun or because you're just stubborn? Do you need to repent and humble yourself? Are you willing to yield your rights and your privileges, your preferences for the sake of the gospel? Let's pray together. Lord, again, we thank you that you've preserved these words for our benefit. And Lord, some of it's really uncomfortable for me. Some of it I, I really I, I, I don't want to have to kind of grapple with. Lord, we have we live in a world that is in uh, there's a lot of turmoil, there's a lot of terrible things going on. And Lord, I don't want to just somehow endorse that or say it's okay. But you're calling us to be honorable people even when treated unfairly. Even when oppressed, even when persecuted, you're calling us to honor you by honoring others. God, I pray that you would give us such a desire, such a desire to respect all people, to love one another, to even to, to, to fear you above all things and even to respect those in authority, that we as God's people are, are seen to be different. We don't function the way everybody else does. Lord, if there's places where we need to make some changes about how we talk with our coworkers at the water cooler, Lord, I pray you would just remind us of that and you would just arrest those things that we say that are, that are not helpful and that are, in fact, harmful to the gospel because we're criticizing others. Lord, would you, would you do that for us? Would you remind us of that? And Lord, those places that, that we have been keeping our eyes on ourselves and our own needs and desires and rights and privileges, Lord, would you give us the the readiness to release that so that we can make room for the gospel in people's lives. I thank you that you are so gracious with us. You're so patient with us. And most of all, Jesus, I thank you that you humbled yourself to be mistreated and abused by those in authority so that we could be forgiven and set free. We give you our praise this morning. We love you, Lord. We love you. We thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If some of these things that I'm talking about just are hard for you, I, I welcome you to, to talk to me about that further. I'd love to walk through that with you. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior today, if you've never come to that place of saying, Jesus, I trust you, I yield to you, I'm going to invite you to forgive my sin and be the leader of my life, today would be a great day to do that. The person you sit with, you sat with today, could help you with that. I'd love to help you with that. I'm going to walk you through, and today you would have new life in Christ, if you'd make that decision.